There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Things are only impossible until they're not. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a Star Trek Picard podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... This is Red Shirt Dave. Oh no! You can't be a red shirt. <laughs> Formerly, officially known as security. That's what I applied for, and I got it. I like the way this red shirt fits. I hope it brings me good luck. I hope so, too. <laughs> All right, we do have a little bit of news before we get into the premiere of Picard. And CBS All Access has already renewed Star Trek Picard for a second season. That's great news. Great news. And even better news is Terry Metalis joins the series as an executive producer. That is wonderful news. I even contacted him to uh, send my congratulations. Yes. A great guy and a steady hand, and he's got uh, Star Trek experience, so that's, that's wonderful. Yes, it is. And he did a fantastic job with 12 Monkeys, so both of us are extremely excited to have Terry joining a star-studded cast of executive producers. And you do have a lot of them. Yes, we do. (laughs) A lot of big names. Yeah. All right, shall we get into episode one, Remembrance? Sure, why not? Do you have an initial reaction? I'll just just impart to start with. It seemed a little slow versus the the pace of the the uh, teasers. Right, you know, had set there was a lot of action on the teasers, but it overall it was a, a measured pace to it. Not that it didn't have action, it did. It seemed uh, deliberate, and I don't I don't mind a deliberate pace at all. I, I like the intellectual edge it'll have to it. You know, over explain everything, and we we get to view the the story through Picard's eyes, and he's always steady and measured. So. The way I, I viewed the first episode to be, you know, like Picard, leaving right. the options open. I like a good captain, even though I'm a red shirt. <laughs> I kind of agree with you there. I think the exposition that was done in the episode was done well and didn't drag on very much, which was great. Other than that, I enjoyed the episode completely, and I'm just glad to have Picard back on my screen again. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I didn't know how much I missed him. And you can see him in the movies and the rest. Hey, look, it's John Luke, (laughs) even though it's Professor X or something else. (laughs) All right. So why don't we get into the recap and the episode, Dave? Okay. It's entitled Remembrance. And at the end of the 24th century and 14 years after his retirement from Starfleet, Jean-Luc Picard is living a quiet life on his vineyard, Chateau Picard. And that's a real thing, too. He's sought up by a mysterious young woman, Dodge. She's in need of his help, he soon realizes. She may have personal connections to his own past. Absolutely. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully they still do that in the 24th and 25th centuries. Yeah. Well, let's catch up on the past a little bit here first. 
Now, 20 years ago, the Romulans asked for help in relocating after a supernova, and Picard left the Enterprise to oversee rescue efforts. Very interesting. Yeah, I picked the right man. Absolutely. Seems like the relocation didn't have full support because many saw the Romulans as enemies. And of course, you can throw that back to several episodes of Next Generation. But it's also very interesting to parallel this to the end of the hostilities between the Klingon Empire and the Federation, as we saw in Undiscovered Country, where the explosion of the Klingon moon had drastic negative effects on their homeworld and they could no longer maintain an adversarial relationship. Yeah. Oh, that uh, brings back memories. Wasn't there a Kittimer incident yes. or something like that, too? Yep. Do you, uh, do you have a recollection of that? Wasn't that, uh, didn't, I think, the Federation or Starfleet came to the rescue yes. of the, the Klingons on Kittimer. Who attacked that? Was that the Romulans? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I think it was. I think it was. Okay, I couldn't get the spelling on it. I've got, looking behind the curtain here, I've got Memory Alpha open, so which has a font of knowledge, and I, I must have misspelled Kittimer because nothing came. <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> I know, I remember from The Next Generation, that was referenced quite a bit. Right. And, and I, I know it had special meaning to uh, Worf, if I recall. Yes, absolutely it did. Okay, good. So things didn't go quite as planned for Picard because a group of rogue synthetic life forms called Synths attacked Mars, destroyed the rescue fleet, and killed almost 100,000 people, which we see in the short trek Children of Mars that was released just before this episode. Yeah, so anybody that's subscribing to CBS All Access and watching Picard along with us, don't forget to check out the short trek Children of Mars. Has uh, a little a little bit of information. I think you'll find all those short treks will include some information and certainly worked for uh, Discovery. Oh, absolutely it did. Now, not only did this lead to a ban on artificial life, but Starfleet called off the rescue efforts. Card vehemently d- disagreed with both points and ended up resigning his commission. Now, one thing that hit me with the rogue synthetic life forms... Is that a callback to the Wrath of Khan? No. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Khan, they were building a better human. Right. And they had that, was it the eugenic wars, I believe. There are people listening now who are like, they're going up and down the scale. Yes, yes, yes. I think it was the eugenic wars where they set to start a, a new race of humans, a superhumans. Right. Yeah. Kind of made me go, huh. huh. <laughs> well. And when I said yes, it's also really because apparently throughout mankind, we're always playing God. You know, we always want to build a better human. And way back then, when we were first introduced to this, was in the this, the episode called Space Seed. That was the original. Right. Episode. Uh, episode yeah, original series. Yeah, the uh, eugenic wars were fought between 1992 and 1996. And according to uh, Memory Alpha, if my Quote, then, the result of a scientific attempt to improve the human race through selective breeding and genetic engineering. The wars uh, devastated parts of Earth and, by some estimates, officially causing some 30 million deaths and, wow. plunging, <laughs> and plunging the planet into a new dark age. Yeah, there is so much to know about Star Trek history. I, and, <laughs> I mean, if you watched Star Trek First Contact, yes, they had advanced tech, but basically, 
seemed they were dressed in rags. The Vulcans wouldn't have stopped here. Spoilers for first contact. If it wasn't for uh, getting warp technology and seeing the signature. Yep. So it seems the aftermath of the eugenic wars uh, came, uh, bef- well, certainly before our first contact, but uh, they were still living. They were, you didn't see any skyscrapers. No. Or anything like that. And according to Memory Alpha, 30 million people die. So, yeah, 30 million deaths. Man, they, they have a high body count in Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> so, yeah, to your point, always trying to build better humans, but this time through synths and apparently, I don't know, controlled. I, I have my tinfoil hat theories, but we can move on until we get there. All righty. <laughs> so let's talk about some dreams that we had in this episode. Oh, yeah. Do we have any dream music we can introduce? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so I like dreams. It's an interesting subject. It's a door into the subconscious. In college, I took psycho- psychology, and uh, it's a fascinating subject. And you can actually wake from your own dream and not understand it, and then you Speak it aloud, and the person, your friend, will look at you and go, well, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for them, but it's not so easy for you. And as we see from Jean-Luc Picard, he's been having his dreams, too. And I think I can explain this as a little conflation. He has memories, and then right. he has interpretive dreams of those memories. And when you have a memory, which can be fuzzy... Sometimes your subconscious wants to still wrestling with those memories because maybe something's left undone or unsaid. And so it's been reinterpreted via a dream so your your conscious mind can understand it. One of his dreams is Picard's playing cards with Data, which is an amazing scene. And Brent Spiner dealing out cards there. He's got that look on his face. You know, he would call it halting movements. But when Picard challenges him in this dream and tells him about his his bluff because he can tell through his eyes. <laughs> Data does his best puzzled look. He's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't bluff you anymore. <laughs> he doesn't know what, what bluff to use. He's fully aware for it, but he would admit to it, even though Picard is bald faced telling him in the dream, I know you're bluffing me. Right. And you do it twice over. And now Data doesn't know which one to use, which was great. <laughs> but it's apparently, it still saddens. He likes to play cards with Data. And as the dream progresses, it looks like they're in 10 forward. And then over Mars, and then boom, everything blows up. Right. He lost data much before that. And being over Mars is incongruent. So he's apparently conflating things that bother him, like the destruction of the rescue fleet over Mars and the loss of 100,000 people and his loss of data. And it's interesting to note that the uniform data was wearing in that dream was not the uniform they used in the Enterprise D, which is what the dream was aboard. That was a uniform, the Enterprise E. So there is some conflation. Poor Picard is still trying to work it out. And he comes to grips with that later in the episode, too, after he's had a little bump in the head. But another dream that he was having that is the painting in the vineyard. And so he, he has, he's a vivid dreamer. He gets out of bed, looks out, sees Data. And when he walks out to him, Data asks him if he wants to finish it. And Picard replies, I don't know how, which to me is a translation of his subconscious to his conscious mind. He doesn't know how to resolve what's going on. He doesn't know how to finish the unfinished business. Right. I couldn't agree more there. I loved it. Yeah. Now, and it, to me, basically this just proves that John Luke hasn't really come to grips with his grief over data, losing data and that data sacrificed his life for, to save mm. him in nemesis. What? Yeah. 
Mrs. Lars asked him how his dreams, and he and he and he said something odd. He said the dreams are beautiful. It's the waking up that's well, like what do you say, grown tiresome or something like that? Right, that are bothersome. <laughs> you know, it. it yeah. yeah, it's more emotionally painful to wake up from them than it is yeah. to have them. Yeah, because the beauty of his dreams of being with the the people or in this case data that he's left behind. Right. Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> So we jump back to present day where we meet Dodge. She's an expert in artificial intelligence and has been accepted into the Daystrom Institute. Yay, the Daystrom's back. Again, yes. And out of nowhere, her boyfriend gets murdered in front of her eyes and she defends herself or gets activated without understanding how or why she did so. But her opponents in the apartment know. That she yes. can't be activated. How do they know? Exactly. And who the hell are they? Yeah. Because <laughs> we get no clue. They're just black suited. Yeah, no guys. insignia. Yeah, no insignia. And of course, this is enough to mess with anyone's mind. And <laughs> she goes on the run. Can't blame her. I think I would too. Yep. She's a good runner too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Card wakening after his first dream. And we're introduced to a simpler, gentler life, caring for the vineyards with his trusty pit bull number one by his side. I uh, love that his number, dog number is one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some uh, similarity between the two. I, I think I noticed something in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Frakes better not be listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you just say about me? <laughs> yeah. And we get some bantering with his Romulan companions and caregivers, Zabon and Laris, played by Orla Brady. So glad to have her back on our screen as well. Yep, and Jamie McShane. Yes. As Zabon. He's great. He, he's been in a million things, and he was great in a TV show that got canceled called The Passage. Right. Of course, that didn't last. I read all the books, and they canceled the TV show in of one course. season. <laughs> At least we got five seasons of Fringe with occasional Ola Braley in it, so. Yeah, she's terrific. Should I mention that I've been reading the comics? Yes. There's a Picard comic by IDW, and it's a, a prequel. And let's see, it has a timeline of its own. He's left, Picard has left the Enterprise to start the uh, effort to pick up refugees and escape the impending explosion of their Romulan son. So... He's left the Enterprise, and he's on the USS Verity, and he's sent out to a planet called Yuyat Beta, where there's a, col a secret colony of Romulans. And, of course, Picard and his new uh, number one, her name is Lieutenant Commander Rafi Musiker. She'll be in the TV show. She's the one that's in the camo or the military-style cap. Right. And I bring this up because Jabon and Laris are introduced in the comics in... Spoiler alert for the comics, you can go ahead 10 seconds if you want. But if not, Jabon and Lars are actually ex-Tal Shi'ar, which was the secret police of the Romulans. Right. So th that's it for me, Steve. <laughs> I won't spoil anymore. All right. I think we all, I think we all recognize there, there was a past and something that led to Picard leaving uh, the Federation or Starfleet. And, of course, the impending disaster of the Romulan son. And it's really curious that Picard has developed a very deep friendship with two former Talis Yar agents. So that that's 
Very interesting. Very interesting. Since apparently the Tal Shiar will be introduced later in the series, it's possible those attackers with Tal Shiar, but we don't know. Watching right. the show, we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea yet. <laughs> but today isn't just a normal day. It's the 20th anniversary of the supernova, and Laris and Zaban are preparing him for this interview, and they assure him that there'll <laughs> be no questions about his separation from Starfleet, and they tell him, be the captain they remember. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how it turns out. <laughs> Things are the same in the future. Right. <laughs> it's a trap. The interview is much more adversarial than anyone might have hoped for. And finally, Picard cuts it short. Don't blame him at all. Yeah, he showed his... I mean, he didn't lose it, but he was deeply disturbed by that, or frustrated is a better word. Right, and we do find out that the reason that he is so disturbed by it is that Starfleet isn't the Starfleet he knows anymore. And that's going to come back to play a big part in this as well, I think. Oh, for sure. Oh, we'll see. And in fact, some of it was teased in right. some of the teasers that came yes. out. After the episode, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Dodge sees the interview and seeks out Picard in his vineyard. And before either of them can get any True answers. She's gone again. Oh, damn. Told you she could run. <laughs> now, of course, his second dream causes him to remember where he's seen Dodge's face before. Aha. I'm just going to say, I was just going to interject that uh, he gets around, too. I mean, these people can move. I'm, I'm interested to see if they'll ever show how they get from France to San Francisco. Right. Without flying. I think I think that was teased, too. But we'll yes. see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. Now, he takes a trip to San Francisco to the Starfleet archives, and he's basically got a whole room that is his own personal museum. Now, I love the interaction between Picard and the Index. Yes, Index. Which was played by Maya Eshot, who was recently on a one-season series on sci-fi called Night Flyers, which I thought was an excellent series. Canceled. Yeah, canceled. But they have some great banner during this his time in the archives, and <laughs> <laughs> I loved how she was trying. She said she was trying to be more personable, and he tells her to <laughs> keep yeah. her day job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excuse me, humor. <laughs> yes, and it turns out that Data had painted Dodge's face two decades ago on a painting called Daughter. Blew my original theory right out the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some import to that title too, but please continue, Steve. Yes. Now, of course, how is this possible seeing that he's been dead for so long? Well, there's some possibilities there. Now, we don't have much of a chance to find out because Dodge tracks Picard down after having a phone call with her mother. Which was quite interesting because yeah. her mom tells her to find Picard and she goes, I never said Picard. <laughs> Oops. I know. I slipped there, mom. Who's she working for? How does she know? And Romulan attackers show up again and this time they're in force. Now, of course, as they try to run, we get a scene on the stairs where Card seems to be winded and mm -hmm. isn't able to keep up with her. 
and you kind of go, is that, are they playing that up just a little bit too much, maybe? I, I read somewhere that in the show, he's in his 90s. Oh, did, okay. did you see that? No, I of course, didn't see that. In the, uh, of course, in, in Star Trek, when we watched, uh, I guess, I think it was The Next Generation, they would introduce, they had Bones in it. And, of course, we saw Spock and Spone. I think Bones was like over 150 years old. Right. So, yeah, so. they haven't come out and said that Jean-Luc Picard is in the 90s, but I saw that somewhere. Maybe it'll be revealed later. So he's still pretty spry, running around in his 90s in real life. What is he? I think he's 79. Right, yeah. He turns 80 this this year, I think. Okay. Now, of course, somehow one of the attackers spits green goo on her, which causes her to basically disintegrate. Yeah. I woke up last night thinking about that. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> there was something about that spitting. It connected me to some other, maybe it was another property or something. Spitting, where do I get that, Steve? Spitting acid. I'll get it. I don't know. Well, I thought of alien, but aliens, you know, they had that thing that would grab your face and then plant the the new alien inside. So that's not quite it, but we've seen stuff like similar before. And of course, it's the ultimate insult in anyone's society or culture. If you spit on someone, that's good. But uh, the spit of poison, that's a good one. And also interesting, and why I think we'll see the Starfleet involved in this, as we see John Luke back at home, he wakes up, and Loris and Jabon basically tell him that the police said there was was only him. Yeah, that is bizarre. They speculated over some type of cloaking. Right. Can she activate her own cloaking? I don't know. She didn't seem... I mean, maybe right. somebody uh, somebody transported during that battle. It could have been one of the assassins. He went over the stairs right. or the stair railing, the and then yeah. At first, I thought that was Dodge, but no, she was still fighting. So there could be some extra technology working here that we're not ready. But that that was quite an explosion. I don't know how Dodge could survive that. First, she's poisoned, and it seemed to be pretty grim. I mean, oh yeah, and, and then the explosion exploded. Yeah, yeah, and been not seeing anybody. Gosh, unless when the yeah, unless they're covering up or the Romulans come in and they just use a local shield, you know, when right, they transport yeah, in. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah, or you're right, it's a cover-up. Because if the if the media hasn't changed in the future, why, why would the military? Exactly. <laughs> but this happening definitely gets Picard into a completely different mindset. Because he even says, you know, he's just been wallowing in his disgust for... Starfleet, and it's time to do something. Yeah, he's been basically waiting to die. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's not the John Luke Picard that we all know. Yeah, that's why the that's why the dreams and sleep are preferable to waking up. So he heads to the Daystrom Institute where he meets Agnes Girardi, and <laughs> they have quite a bit of interesting banter back and forth. <laughs> yeah, as she is not wanting to give up any information on. The possibility of a human synthetic. But when he shows her Dodge's necklace, we find out that, okay, maybe this is possible. Yeah. As she shows him the dismantled B4, which from Nemesis, we know that Data's memories were downloaded into B4. Mm-hmm. They were, they didn't take. Sadly. Yeah, but 
that last scene where Picard's talking to B4 and he's not understanding, but just before he gets out of the room. In Nemesis. Yeah, in, in Nemesis. Nemesis. That yeah. B4 starts singing a song like Data would. Yeah. And you go, hmm. Hmm, blue skies. So <laughs> yes. to everyone who's watching, that's why we see blue skies to lead off the show. That's what Data's song he sang at, at number one's wedding to yes. Counselor Troy. And he, he hammed it up, too. <laughs> wow. So there's a heavy connection. I, I would urge everybody to watch Nemesis, as Steve and I spoke on before we started recording. Right. Uh, I liked it better the second time. I thought it was a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to speak uh, to, in Nemesis also, there's the connection between Picard and the Romulans. Right. When in uh, spoilers for Nemesis, the Romulans actually come to the rescue yes. of Picard. There's a different faction. So we learn way back then. Their, think, all the thinking in the Romulan Empire was not the same. And uh, Shinzon had taken over and was going to destroy Earth and was chasing down Picard. But the Romulans, led by Dina Meyer, <laughs> actually known as Commander Dinatra in the movie. Yeah. And she owes them a, they're going to owe each other a, a Romulan ale after their rescue works out. So everybody out there, make sure you watch Nemesis 2. There's a lot of information that's incorporated into the Picard series. And I know, I know what you're saying, like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I just listen to you guys? <laughs> okay, you can just listen to us, but the movie's fun. <laughs> right. And we find out that scientist named Bruce Maddox, where have we heard that name before? Yep. May have used a technique called fractal neuronic cloning, which may have also preserved Data's memories to create Dodge. And the kicker? Well, these androids would have been created in pairs. Interesting. Interesting. So somewhere out there, Dodge has a twin. We find out her name is Soji, and apparently she's working at a Romulan reclamation site that also happens to be a Borg cube. <laughs> our oh, old, really? <laughs> our old friends, the Borg. <laughs> wow. Could they have just brought one around to put the Romulans on or what is yeah. she doing on there? How'd she well, get on? She's, she's a doctor. So yeah. Working for the Romulans or is she working for the Romulans? Well, that's their Romulan warbirds or whatever they are going in and out of it. Right. I, so yeah, it looks like I mean, it's the Romulan reclamation project. How the heck did she get way out there? Now you would think that would be top secret. Why would Starfleet allow a reclamation project of a, who'd want to re revive those guys? Why would they use it? That's a, it's a very Deep mystery. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot of uh, dangling questions out there that we just really need answers for. A whole lot. If I may, Steve, I'll interject this too. Okay, Doc, uh, Dr. Agnes Girardi. Yep. She was originally recruited by Maddox. He appeared, I think, in one episode, and he uh, was along with Data, and he was trying, he wanted, I guess, to take apart Data and see what made him tick, basically. Right. But once he uh, came to understand Data, as a sentient being, he decided to move on with his work and take it back to Earth. And you can look it up on Memory Alpha, but he uh, eventually recruits Dr. Agnes Girardi. So I wonder if we're going to see, what's his, uh, the actor, might have, I think his last name was Brophy. I wonder if we'll see him in this series again, because he's missing. And Girardi's tried to find him. So will she find him? Will, will Picard find him? Uh, they haven't teased that out, So, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope they do. Yeah, me too. And the other thing that bothered me about this, Steve, was, so, so they've been created in pairs, right? Right. And they have a necklace with two interlinked circles, right? Yes. 
Why was the painting called Daughter and not Daughters? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How would he know only one would survive with that face? Why? How? Yes. I mean, he had a daughter in the next generation. I think it was Law. Law. Yeah. L-A-L. Yeah. And I don't know. I suspect. I have a lot of suspects around Maddox. Uh, the Maddox connection, to me, has to grow stronger. Yes. Absolutely, it does. And, and the Borg connection. I mean, maybe the Romulans are trying to revitalize their race or, or their power through old Borg cubes. But the, the Borg were known for reclamating, if you can put it that way, right. others' species. So, you know, there's that link. It's semantically different. But <laughs> one race taking over another, you can call it what you want. It's either assimilation or conquering or whatever. <laughs> right. Or the creating of a whole new being to replace the, the previous ones and then some type of bizarre futuristic evolution. I, I, that's something Star Trek has always wrestled with. Yes. All right. Shall we get into some Easter eggs and some theories? All right. I'll just spit out a bunch of theory. <laughs> 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 so let, let's recap on the, on the Romulan supernova. If you recall, true Trekker, uh, Trekkers out there, the J.J. Abrams took over the Star Trek movie and rebooted it. And Spock, played by Leonard Nieboy, was trying to stop the supernova of the Romulan sun. They have a name. I'll have to look that up sometimes. The planets that had Romulus and Remus, but I'm not sure if right. the sun had a name. And he goes thrown back in time. He failed, and he actually created the alternate Kelvin timeline where the uh, movies take place, while Picard takes place in the prime timeline of the Star Trek television shows. The producers and creators chose to honor that event by introducing it to the canon we know now, which is fine. It, it's a little confusing. Right, but a nice um, kind of figure that, yes, because a lot of the executive producers worked with J.J. on the movies that, yeah, they would take some liberties, and, and I'm okay with this being introduced into the prime timeline. I'll have to research any connection to the people who run Discovery. Right. Star Trek Discovery, because they created their own timeline, too. I mean, no uh, one... Yeah, <laughs> big time. <laughs> no, who knew? They had their own propulsion unit. They had, uh, they had Spock had a sister. Right. That no one heard of, and then... Wow. Well, I'm not going to spoil that series. I've done enough spoilers already <laughs> in this discussion. But please watch that, too, because there's a lot going on there. That uh, This last season of Discovery actually explained why we'd ever heard of uh, Discovery and Spock's sister. Right. <laughs> why Spock never mentioned her before. So, yes, the producers of Star Trek like to take their liberties. So we also had the, how would you pronounce this? The Zahians? This is Dodge's boyfriend species. The Zahians were introduced in Star Trek. Discovery and the short treks. Right. Interesting. Her boyfriend was with Dosh. You know, they're close and they're flirting with each other. And he does something. And she says, I love it when you do that. I'm like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> was it the eyes? I meant to look at his eyes because he has a multifaceted face. Yes. <laughs> and I was looking for something to uh, like move or like or shutter or open like a window on his face i'll have to go back for another another view to see if it's something to do with his eyes because i looked initially as i the, the iris is not the same so maybe that's what he does right could be <laughs> another easter egg was the starfleet archives that we walked in and we mentioned earlier the captain picarte banner was hanging in there and i didn't uh oh we saw the bat left too right the bat yeah yeah how did Worf let that go <laughs> well, I, if I remember right, he presented Picard the bat lift uh -huh. after he won that competition. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's why how Picard ended up with that. Okay. 
And yeah, we saw several different ships, probably his, what was the name of his original ship that he served on? A gazer? Yeah. Okay. That came out of nowhere, Steve, I believe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the archives, didn't he ask the index if anyone's been in there? Yes. Okay, and no one's been there. No one has been inside his um, archive. Hmm. Except maybe Bruce Maddox. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it doesn't show that, but maybe he did it before. I don't know. Right. Had access? How did he, how did Maddox have access to B4's parts? Right. You know, and he was able to get the positron out of that? Or or was it a synthetic positron matrix? And that's what led him to the success with the synthetics attack Mars. Here I'm going. Now, there's a theory for you, Steve. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he went into hiding because he was working on synthetics outside the law because it's mentioned it's against the law right oh absolutely that's why he went into hiding yeah and so i don't know someone took over his synthetics perhaps here i'm really stretching it out perhaps it was the romulans or a faction of the romulans that were using their boar technology like a hive mind took control of the synthetics and had them attack the shipyards on mars killing a hundred thousand people and ruining the rescue fleet oh absolutely that's yeah. definitely a, po a strong possibility. Yeah. Well, that's my boss. That's my theory. <laughs> and I, I mean, think it's, it's a good one for right now. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. Yeah, there, there is definitely a deep mystery going on, and we're going to have to learn a lot more. And that makes me think, well, how is Soji still out there? She wow. recruited? Recruited? How was she recruited? Unless, I don't know. Right. Yeah. That bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a point of Data's daughter. We know Data always wanted a daughter. And in the Next, next Generation episode, The Offspring... Uh, he had Lal, as we mentioned before. She was cute, yep. but she she didn't last. I don't think she lasted just to the end of the episode, actually. Right. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Her her positronic matrix did not was not able to handle it. Yeah, we have to deal with a lot of death on Star Trek. <laughs> and we did mention before to the, uh, before in, in our discussion, you can catch up on some of the Data's siblings, right? <laughs> and like in Data Lore and Brothers. And uh, he had a brother. His name was Lore, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, Lore. <laughs> evil Lore. Yes, it's so funny. Evil Lore. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the B4 that's kept in a drawer, that was sad because I had watched Nemesis in preparation right. for this. And they take him out of the drawer. And I thought for sure, once he started singing Blue Sky Skies at the end of Nemesis, that someday we'd see Data again. Right. I, I guess with the introduction of this series, it'll be a little more convoluted than we had thought. Yeah. But that's how Maddox could have gotten that neuron out of B4 because it was at the Daystrom. So he may I, have found, you know, some piece of data in there and was able to identify it and was able to get it and get out of there. Maybe he has a personal cloaking device, too. <laughs> that's very possible. <laughs> or somehow he's ended up captured by the Romulans. There you go, Steve. He yeah. was captured by the <laughs> Romulans and forced. <laughs> To use his technology to create their synth army. Right. It's a, so that's Star Trek's version of the Clone Wars. <laughs> nice. Well, we do have some feedback from our friend, Fred from the Netherlands. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. Or is it Dave and Steve? This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 1. Here in the Netherlands, we can watch it via Amazon Prime, whereas Discovery was via Netflix. I think it's a little strange. Okay, about the episode. 
let's start with criticism and nitpicks, so we have that out of the way. First criticism, I was not completely satisfied with the acting of our Sir Patrick. So some examples in the beginning when he is playing cards with Data, I think it was sometimes a little overacted, especially the sentence, let's behave as civilized man, was a bit overacted. And also in the interview, there were some, some phrases, some stuff that was a little overacted. Furthermore, I wonder if he is really out of breath when he goes up the stairs to that roof or that they make him, because... Patrick Stewart is quite in good shape. They make him an extra little bit older than he really is, or less fit than he really is. Also with his cane, I never saw him walk with a cane, so they make him a little less fit than the actor really is. And of course we shouldn't forget, this year Sir Patrick will become 80. Very strange was the scene when Dash arrives at Chateau Picard and she is all stressed and Picard just accepts her and let her talk and the real introduction, who are you and what are you doing here, they just skip and he actually asks who she is much much later. I found that a little unreal. Another thing is not perhaps even a nitpick, but I just wonder. So if Daj is somehow Data's daughter and he created her and he programmed her some way and put these thoughts of Picard into her brain, then it is strange that it's an old Picard and not a Picard of, let's say, 15 years ago when he created her. Of course, there is a lot of very nice cinematography for instance, the vineyard, looking down on it from Picard's room. For instance, the shot of the greater area of Boston. And then the shot from sea towards the Science Institute. What I liked, of course, is to tie in into older Star Trek TNG stories. Some people had done some predictions that Maddox's story would tie in here. And it really did very much amazed about that the Romulan restoration facility is in an old Borg cube. I did like the acting of Brand Spiner a lot, every little movement he makes, the way he speaks and how he pauses in his speech is really perfect if you compare it to some 20-30 years ago. So in general very nice, I give it for now an 8 out of 10. And we'll finish my feedback here, otherwise it really gets too long. Greets, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, it's very interesting that you kind of thought that Patrick Stewart overacted a little bit there, Fred. <laughs> yeah, and we, we touched on the uh, stair scene about being less fit than he should be, but I think we're going to write that off to age for right now. I mean, we know that it's been 20 years since he's since the supernova and mm -hmm. we don't know for sure how many years that was prior to him uh, we last seeing him on nemesis so yeah i don't expect picard to be what we last saw in next generation that's for sure he has aged and he's going to need some help to you know he can't do this all by himself yeah he needs a personal transport so he can get up steps without <laughs> having to be dragged up there by somebody yeah yeah, as we mentioned earlier, he, he could well be in his 90s in this series. We don't know for sure, but I think it'll come out. 
I can understand some of your nit- nitpicks, not asking her name until later on in the evening. Well, he's just concerned. Somebody's scared, I think. You know, the Captain uh, Card kind of came out when, you know, she's hysterical and she doesn't know what's happening to her. Yeah, Picard is famous for uh, his patience, and the first thing he wants to do is calm her down. And once she's calmed down, then he can get personal and you know and ask her her name. Right. I think anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, the cinematography was beautiful. The opening sequence was fantastic, and the shots of the vineyard from his window, and of course mm-hmm. Boston and the Daystrom Institute was all just beautifully done. I didn't recognize a single thing from Boston. I grew up in the greater Boston area, yeah. and I thought maybe that's the uh, a developed Prudential building, but everything, wow, nope. I don't, yeah. <laughs> didn't see a Fenway Park. <laughs> There's still baseball then. <laughs> yeah, that was. I was wondering if you were you had noticed anything that I looked. Yeah. I looked. <laughs> sure, it is. <laughs> no. That was prestige TV, though, Steve. They're going to pour some money in this. It's a valuable property. Yes, it is. So I'm happy for that. And I think we both are uh, glad to see Maddox being brought into this story because of his involvement with Data in the past. And yeah, the Restoration Cube being populated with Romulans is definitely something that we want to know why and how and what the hell's going on there. (laughs) Yep. So hopefully after you've listened to this, Fred, we've answered some of your questions in advance. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> when we get feedback from somewhere like, uh-oh, is this going to be better than the podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, of course, yes, Brett Spinner is always great as Data. And I think it's kind of amazing that all of these actors are able to slip into character so effortlessly. It's yeah. just amazing. I had read that Jerry Ryan was having trouble getting back into Seven of the Nine, of course, we haven't seen Seven of the Nine. We've only seen her in the teasers for the show. But I guess uh, the way she tells it, she was in an absolute panic, you know, finding the character. And, of course, good old uh, Patrick Stewart is the one who talked her off the edge, you know, <laughs> and got her into it. So she said, remember, she's not fully Borg anymore. You don't have to do halting speech right. anymore. You've been reassimilated into humanity. And I guess that really had a calming effect on her. And that's Patrick Stewart. He's... Absolutely an amazing person, an amazing actor. Yeah. I saw an interview once where, uh, what's her name? She plays uh, Counselor Troy. Yeah, Marina Sirtis. Yeah. She was always guilty of, or felt guilty if she didn't give her best performance in any episode because she felt it would uh, let Patrick Stewart down. Right. And he hadn't heard that before. And he looked at her and he goes, what? That's He goes, rubbish, rubbish. And she goes, sorry, that's the way I felt. I never wanted to let you down. So yeah, I'm sure he's a, everybody felt that way. Yeah. Sir well, Patrick. Well, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again. And we would love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? Well, you can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or social media. On Twitter, that's at Steve, uh, Salyer Steve, and at the Real ID Dave, or International Dave. That'll come up for you, too, on, on Twitter. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Picard podcasts out there. 
Tell your friends, and we really do hope you like the podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The second episode of uh, Picard is on January 30th and is titled Maps and Legends. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. If you are who I think you are, (laughs) you are dear to me in ways that you can't understand. This is Redshirt Dave, and I'm on my way to C-Deck to do the laundry and get some of those bad phaser burns out of my shirt.